Welcome back to the Brookfield Group Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Loudenslager. And on this episode, we have one of our marketing team, Greg White, on the call. Hello, Greg. How are you? I'm good, Chris. Thanks for having me. So, of course, we're still talking about the big elephant in the room, COVID-19, how that's affecting businesses, how that's affecting your workplace. Greg, you're you know, part of our digital marketing team. How is this going to, how are we going to go forward? Like what's, what is the, the big change that we're going to see happening? Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, crystal ball time, but you know, I've been on the internet since 1994. That's when I put together my first website and Thankfully, the Wayback Machine doesn't go back that far. But, <laughs> you know, th there's just been a lot of evolution through, you know, different marketing strategies and all those kinds of things. And, you know, I I was talking to a friend of mine and we were kind of going through his business. And, you know, a lot of the traditional marketing, you know, channels are just at least for the next 18 to 24 months are just not going to be there. I mean, you, when you start talking about conferences or conventions, you know, the lunch and learn thing, networking events, all those, you know, that right now nobody is showing up at those. Nobody is scheduling those. Nobody really, really wants to be involved. And that's, you know, a, a big highway for a lot of people on how they, you know, generate that, that lead traffic that, that comes into their, their things. And, you know, you can't just show up at somebody's office anymore. I mean, you're just not, you're not welcome. You know, golf course meetings, you know, you, you can still go play golf with your buddies, but you're all in separate carts. So you don't get that four and a half hours of sitting right beside somebody and able to, you know, chitty chat it up and, and all those things while you're waiting for everybody else to hit their ball. So that's gone. Even phone calls are a challenge right now because, you know, people are working remotely and, and their internal phone system, you call in and maybe somebody answers, maybe they don't, you just go straight to voicemail. And if you don't have that person's cell phone, you can't get transferred over. So there's just a lot of this stuff that's not out there anymore for, for the, the way to, to bring this in. So we got to start looking at, you know, how do we have some kind of social distance marketing strategies and, you know, everybody thinks immediately of, you know, email, web, text, maybe pay-per-click ads and, and those kinds of things. And I think all of those are good, but we've used them a lot in the past as kind of a, especially for, I, I would classify this for non-web-based businesses. So if you're, you know, selling a service or you're in the construction business or something where you're not selling per se your thing on the, on the internet, that typical websites were set up to be kind of a support factor for these other traditional marketing methods. So the salesman goes out and he talks to somebody or meets them at a networking event and, you know, chitty chat, and then you give them a business card with your www address. And then that's when the person will kind of go back and look at that and say, oh, now I understand a little more about the company, but it wasn't designed to be that you know, point of entry or the way to open the door and kind of get people in there and, and, you know, moving forward. Right. I mean, I, I, I am so surprised still in, I mean, I, I go to CES every year and I'm surprised about the impact of having that face-to-face -face connection with other businesses and salespeople. Like you don't realize how much being on location 
can be that like that's your your first impression. It's not somebody now going to your www website or your social account. It's I met somebody at a convention because we were sitting next to each other at a bar and we stroke up a conversation and now you know you have this this giant sales deal like that's not going to be the norm now for a lot of these businesses moving forward so you said that your you know websites are now going to be the big first impression how do you think the current climate of of uh, a lot of business websites feels to you like when you go to some websites What's your first impressions? What do you, what are you thinking? Well, uh, again, I I would say that you know they're that supporting element. So there, it's a lot of very generic information. So you're you're thinking this is you know as kind of your brochure instead of you know attacking pain points. So what that tends to do is it makes the website more generic. So I I've talked to a lot of people over the years and said you know well you know when we're trying to kind of figure out their business and and we say well who do you sell to and it's one of those oh we sell to everybody you know we sell you know ballpoint pens so everybody who needs a ballpoint pen we sell to well okay <laughs> but that's you know probably not your ideal customer you want an ideal customer who's easy to work with who kind of has the same values that you have that you know likes to pay on time and you know you get a decent margin on and you know, the person that isn't so picky that if you put the shipping on label on crooked that they get, you know, you get a phone call because they're upset that you did that. So, you know, you, you there, whether you want to admit it or not, there is some sort of a niche that you want to chase after. And most websites today, again, especially in these not internet centric businesses, just don't do a good job of, of talking to that customer on their website. It's all about me. It's, you know, here's our about us page. Here's our history page, you know, and it's, it's all of this. I'm talking about me, the business, me, the business, me, the business, and I'm not addressing what are your pain points here are case studies that we've solved. And, you know, I mean, there are some companies that do that a little better than others. We're getting people to do more testimonials and, and, and those kinds of things. And that's helpful, but that's, I think, the big shift that we've got to see is these generic, you know, blah, 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 informational websites, they just need to be, you know, buggy whipped or put out the way of the dinosaur. Right. I, I, I keep thinking about a lot of these like big direct-to-consumer direct brands, you know, like Blue Apron and Keeps and like Lisa mattresses and all, all the stuff that I hear on, on podcasts where they're very forward thinking. They are like getting you to go, you know, you're, you're seeing them on Instagram and you're going right into to purchasing. I mean, it's, it's not as simple in the B2B world where you maybe have contracts involved and, and, you know, larger scale rollouts. Are are these are these kind of direct to consumer brands doing it right before everything happened? I mean, what what are your thoughts on on some of these brands that you're looking at? Well, I think in the, in the ones that you've talked about specifically is what they are very good at doing is building a relationship, and they're building out a picture in the person's mind of what doing business with them or 
by doing business with them, what the result will be. So, you know, you talk about the mattresses and you've got the people who either you've got influencers out there talking about, oh, I used to toss and turn and now I go to sleep and I sleep a solid eight hours and I wake up and I'm so refreshed and, and, you know, the person is of course very attractive and all of that. And you think, man, that's how I want my life to be. And so, you know, I'll, I'll pull that trigger and, and boom, and I'm in, but you know, from that aspect, it's uh, again, going back to what we just talked about on the current status of a lot of websites is, you know, well, here's my about us page and, and probably all those people that you talked about on their brands, very few of them have a very in-depth about us page as far as, you know, who's the CEO and who are the investors and all of that, that we see on a lot of, you know, again, the current websites that are out there, or, you know, this got started by my great grandfather and then my dad, you know, took it over and then now it's mine. And, and, and we see a lot of these family histories and all of that kind of stuff. And that's really, uh, you know, I'm certain it makes the family feel good, but that's not what you need to be talking to your customers about, right? You need to talk about how they're, you're going to solve their problems, how their life is going to be so much easier, better, you know, hitting all their pain points and relieving that pain. And that's really what we've got to focus and, and talk more about instead of all about us. Right. I, I, I look at all these kind of big business websites. And like you said, it's just sort of, here's where we came from and you know they're not solving a problem and i think when you look at these direct-to-consumer internet brands quote unquote whatever that means now it's you have a problem here's how you fix it and one click over and now you're buying it mm -hmm. um and it's just this like huge mobile first mentality of you know being on instagram and having that direct click through and that kind of thing. And I think that a lot of, I don't want to say it, but older brands maybe don't have that mindset and going into the next 18 to 24 months, they're going to have to really think about what their website means. You, you brought a term onto my attention called website Botox which I really like. <laughs> Explain your philosophy by, behind what website Botox actually means. Well, you know, we talk to a lot of people and they say, oh, well, I just had my website redesigned two or three years ago or, or, or something like that. And we suggest this kind of Botox treatment. And, and, you know, it's my analogy is, you know, it's a couple of injections of secret sauce in the right places. And all of a sudden you look a lot better. And, and so we try and, and go into some of these very static and very, you know, boring talking about the business websites and, and maybe throw a new theme in there or, you know, some new graphics or those kinds of things just to help refresh, but also to get those really strong marketing messages together, working with a client now. And, and, you know, as we were kind of doing the fact finding and, you know, we were trying to nail down that client and he, he finally kind of came out and said, well, I really like working with those clients that I can have a great relationship with. And so now that's, you know, when you first open up the website or at least the draft that we have in front of me at this point is, you know, relationships is one of the things that we're about. And that's just really kicking off of 
they sell a product, but they're interested in the relationship. And if you're just looking for the lowest cost or, you know, all that, this is probably not the business that you want to work with. And to be honest, it's they don't want you as a client because they don't want to be beat up on price all the time and all that kind of stuff. They want those long-term relationships that, that really grow. So how can we take, you know, a website, freshen it up? Also, you have to remember that we're now working with a lot of remote workers and that's probably going to be, I, I, I think that's now kind of pushed over the tipping point that a lot of businesses are going to have 20, 30, 40% of their workers are going to be remote. So we have different bandwidths to deal with. We have, I know several people that are working from home that use their cell phone as the hotspot. So they don't have, you know, the speediest uh, response rates on their browsers. There a lot of people using tablets now, which in the business world, there were a lot of field people that used tablets, but not really to browse the internet. So now we're having to redesign. So, you, you know, your phone, your, your website may work on a phone and it may work on a desktop, but in the tablet, it kind of got into no man's land and it was anybody's guess on what happened. So we like to look at websites and see how we, we can refresh them in those ways. Also, you've got a, a ton of, and I don't want to put everybody in, in the bucket here, but you have a lot of people that are at home now that are bored, uh, especially mm -hmm. in students and all of those kinds of things that are bored. And, you know, do they get into, let's see if we can hack into this website and can we, you know, mess with somebody and change their picture out or, or do some things like that. And so we want to make sure that we're looking at security. Are they updated with the you know, most recent recent versions of, you know, Joomla or WordPress or whatever other content management system that you might be using uh, on the back end are backups being done regularly. So if something does happen, we can get back to that. So we just want to look at all of those kinds of things. And that's not, you know, thirty, fifty thousand dollar website redos, which, you know, a, a lot of organizations take on. But this is something that, you know, for 10 percent of that number we can kind of go in and just spiff it up and, and make sure that it's ready to do the work that it needs to do. Yeah. I I'm reminded when you said about tablets and mobile, I think about the, the, the move to smartphones, you know, you started with the iPhone and kind of, you know, we expanded from there and a lot of these websites had to all of a sudden, you know, we lost flash, right? We, you have websites now rendering natively in mobile. So they're not this like the big giant desktop site that you have to zoom and pinch and, and scroll around. And now that tablets and these kind of ultra portable devices are becoming a big thing, designers and, and websites have to think about what if this looks like on, on somebody's iPad? Can they get to our form and fill it out? Or can they get to the chat? Is that working? There's a lot of different factors that you have to think about. Our, on our last episode, we talked, I talked with Daniel Abdallah, our CTO, about security. And I think that people forget, like you said, people are at home bored. And when people have a lot of time on their hands, they'll start poking around. And we've seen this just like influx of you know, cyber cybersecurity of of websites getting, you know, the the old 
I don't want to say old, but the DDoS attack, which was you know kind of a, a classic attack with a botnet or something like that. Sure. And and now you're seeing people get into sites and and muck around with the content, which is like the most important part. What are your thoughts and feelings on kind of these turnkey solutions? Say a Squarespace. Say a. I can't think of another one off the top of my head, but I mean, I've seen a lot of them that are kind of instant, instant landing pages that are hosted somewhere else that are kind of this very slick, everything kind of animates beautifully and it automatically goes to mobile. What do you think those compare to a more custom solution like a WordPress? Well, I, you know, those companies wouldn't be successful without their I mean, without a particular market. So so they appeal to some sections, you know, of the marketplace and, and there are needs for those. You know, if if you've got a project or or you're doing a launch or or you're doing something that's a two or three month window, you know, and somebody's already got a platform out there and they've got a template that's pretty close to what you need and you can refine it and it, you know, makes it go faster, cheaper, and you can launch quicker and you know, without, you know breaking the bank on resources, I'm all for doing that. I I like to move fast, but then there's also, well, now all my stuff is on that platform and I am really hoping they are successful and they aren't one of the many technology companies that goes out of business every year. And now all my stuff goes out of business with it, you know, so my landing pages that worked yesterday now don't work because they couldn't pay their bills and their servers got shut down or because they are, you know, on this big site, that makes it more of an invitation to be hacked and, and, and looked at. So, you know, I, I would have a, you know, just, you know, use business common sense when you, when you kind of make those decisions in, in that area. But, you know, I think on the security side, one of the things that you've got to look at is with this change and the number of people that were laid off, how many people that were laid off now still have admin access to one of your accounts or to your website or whatever? You know, often we go into websites and there's a list of seven administrators in, in the back end control panel. And I'm like, well, who's this person? Oh, they haven't worked for us for two years. Who's this person? Oh, I don't even know who that person is. I'll have to ask. And you kind of go through that list and you're going, oh my gosh, if somebody was mad enough, and remember, they had those credentials, you know, the damage that they could really do. And it may not even be obvious. They could go in and, you know, switch out the credit card processing to go to their credit card account instead of yours. And, you know, you might not catch that for a week or two, you know, and, you know, how, how much money could, could happen there. And I can't tell you the number of times we go into an account and we're like, okay, we need access to your Facebook. And it's like, well, somebody set that page up four years ago and they left and they're not happy with us and they won't give us access, you know? And so getting those ducks in a row <laughs> is just, you know, extremely important on, you know, to keep your business continuity going, to make sure that the right messages are going out at the right time. You know, even with this change, one of the things that we've been talking a lot about is, you know, I have a big email list. Well, how much of it is still valid? Because we know there's you know, 20% more people on unemployment that were, are they still even working for those companies? Can they get access? Can they, can they read those emails? The other thing is everybody else is saying, well, 
we can't go meet people face to face or in these other traditional marketing methods. So we're going to send them email. So, you know, email boxes are going to be blowing up with competition to, you know, get the reader's eyes. So do we now need to start sending an email followed immediately by a text that says, I just sent you an email? Or do we need to start looking at what are the other business friendly avenues to communicate with people? Would, would they use Facebook Messenger or not? Would they use one of the WhatsApp or one of the other services to be able to, to send people to? So lots of stuff that we're still kind of feeling around for, but you know, not not totally certain. And again, like I said, it's crystal ball time. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely feeling that that email inbox influx of, of things like you see just every other day. It's another company. It's, it's something else that is trying to grab your attention uh-huh. and you get fatigued, right? Like Absolutely. you, you know, some, I know that Gmail does this and they, and they filter out promotions automatically. So sometimes you don't even see that. So how is, you know, is that really the effective way to contact your customers if they even don't even see the email? And when they do see the email, they go, well, there's another marketing email that I don't really need. So, well, but uh, I mean, there, there are marketing emails that you don't really need and you didn't really want, but there's also marketing emails that solve a huge problem for you. And if you saw them, you'd think, oh, wow, I, you know, I really want to be part of that. And that, and that's, I mean, email deliverability is, you know, we could have another three podcasts on on that, but you know, the, the, what I would say is right now, the prettiest emails usually end up in those promotion folders because Gmail says, oh, regular people don't send emails with big pictures in them and in HTML with borders and all of these different, you know, flowery things going on. And they look fantastic. And somebody in marketing got a pat on the back for it looking so good. But what really counts at the end of the day is did it get delivered? And did the person read it and, you know, have the opportunity to click on whatever call to action that you had within that. So there's a lot of those strategies that we can help people with too, is how do you get always into that inbox and not on that promotion tab or not in that spam tab and all those kinds of things. But it's, it's this coordinated effort on this social distance marketing strategies that we're, that we're looking at of, you know, how do I stay in front of that client? How do I be relevant to them? One of the buzzwords kind of being thrown around now is intimacy. And, you know, how, how do they feel like they're part of our community as a business? Things like this podcast where they're hearing our voice and all of those. Can we get people to shoot little videos and post them on Facebook and LinkedIn and all of that kind of stuff? So they get a chance to know you outside of those, again, traditional conferences and conventions and and that face-to-face and you know even meetings now because i have had a couple of face-to-face meetings with customers but if they're wearing a mask you you lose you know two-thirds of their facial expressions so as you you know are on the whiteboard pitching your idea you turn around and look at them and you've got a set of eyes looking back at you but you can't tell if they're smiling or frowning or you know, bored or whatever, and you lose all of those kinds of things. So we've really got to figure out this, you know, how to keep the wheel turning and keeping things moving forward. 
Absolutely. What are your thoughts on social networking marketing? You know, the Twitter, the Facebook, uh, the Instagram, that kind of stuff compared to email. I mean, is it is it worth going into those markets? I mean, you see, we're seeing, you know, like you said, influencers, like there's certain backlash of people not saying that they're being paid to promote something. You know, what is that something that a company should or 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 could pivot to? Well, I, I mean, my answer is yes. I, I think right now you have lost such a chunk of ways to communicate with people that you need to figure out what ways can I go back and communicate with them now. And so, you know, I, a conference and a convention can't do that. A social, you know, whether that's LinkedIn, that's Facebook, whatever, I can. You know, people say, oh, well, we're business to business. We don't do Facebook. Well, it doesn't matter what you do. It's where are your customers? So if I come to your website and I'm browsing and, and it's for, you know, XYZ manufacturing widget, but then I jump over to Facebook to see what my grandkids have been doing lately, you know, if there's a chance for me to pop up a little ad that says, you know, hey, don't forget, we're, you know, got a special this week on XYZ widgets, then you know, that's where your visitor is. So people that draw these lines in the sand that say, we don't go there, you have to figure out where your customers go and you have to go meet them there now. And not in the physical sense, but in this internet digital sense. And I think you have to have multiple swim lanes and have them all going at the same time. They can't, you can't say, oh, we're doing this web thing and oh, we're doing social as a different thing. And we're doing uh, email as a different thing. They've all got to be integrated and tied together and, and, you know, mesh like, you know, wheels on the machine to, to make it all go. Yeah. I, I, I think that that conversion rate that happens on social into the actual company is a huge opportunity for a lot of people mm -hmm. where they're, they're, you know, like you said, they're just browsing Facebook or they're, they're just browsing Instagram. And all of a sudden there's something that's like, oh, hmm. I mean, this has happened to me all the time. I'm like, I'm going on a website and I see an ad for some tool that I could use in my work. And I go, huh, that's interesting. And then all of a sudden now I'm on their website. Now I'm, I'm going to their, their contact page and they, they now have a lead because of their social presence or a presence on, on another site. What are, are some, some services or tools that people could use to really track uh, people coming into their website and, and what they're doing, what they're clicking on? Yeah, there's a handful. And, you know, again, it kind of depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So, I hate to throw out tools just for tools sake. Uh, I, I, you're going to bend my arm and I'm going to do a couple of them anyway. But, you know, back in the day when Photoshop first came back out, came out and, you know, it was, oh, you, you've got to buy Photoshop. And a lot of people did that. <laughs> and, and at that time, it only worked on the Mac platform, which then, OK, now I got to buy Mac. And then but the rest of my network is all PC. And, and so there were all of this hardship of, well, somebody told me to buy this tool and I went out and bought this tool and now it's caused all of these other problems. So that 
that's my little bit of reservation here on on just jumping in and saying, oh, buy this tool or that tool, because it may not be solving the problem that you you have. It may solve somebody else's problem or somebody else's thing may, may be the neatest in the world. But there's a company out there that's called Albacross. And I don't know if it's a .com or .io right off the top of my head. So the Albacross software is very nice that it will go out or, or you put a little piece of code on your website and, and it's easy for your tech people to do or or, or most anybody that, that works with websites quite a bit. And it will actually tell you the company that came to your website. So if you put out a proposal for, you know, let's say phone systems, uh, we'll, we'll just kind of be generic and, and you've put together this, you know, 20 page RFP and, uh, or you, you're replying to an RFP and you, you've put all of that out where Google analytics will sit here and tell you that you got this much traffic on a certain day, their software will actually tell you what companies came back and visited your website. So if you're following up and you're saying, you know, have you guys made a decision on my product yet? And they said, well, we're still investigating and we're looking around, but then you get your report from Albacross and all of a sudden it shows, you know, five different visitors from that company's IP addresses have visited your website. You can say, oh, you know, they, they've read my proposal. Now they're checking out our website to see, and maybe that is a trigger point for you to make another phone call, you know, because you can kind of look at those things. Also, as we're collecting more and more information off the internet, there are several services out there. Clearout.io is one of them that will actually go through your email list and tell you which emails are good, which ones are bad, which ones are deliverable, which ones aren't. It'll tell you, you know, if you've got a webmaster.xyz.com, it'll tell you that's a catch-all address and you know, for deliverability, again, you probably don't want to send to those kinds of emails because they won't get opened and that'll affect your authority and your score and, and some of those kinds of things. There's also same, uh, uh, Clearout also has a division that does phone numbers. So if you're collecting phone numbers on your input forms for whatever, it'll tell you whether that's a mobile number or whether that's a landline and if it's textable and is it in a valid format and all those kinds of things. And so you can either set that up to do it in real time as your information is collected, or you can just take your list and send it to them and then they'll clean it and then send it back. And of course there's, you know, fees and all related with that, but those kinds of services and, and there's, there's more, but I, I think that anything that you can do to really clean your lists and make them as deliverable and as, pretty as you can because if another service that's out there and I'm I'm I will have to put you know the information below the podcast but with a link it'll actually take name information and it'll capitalize it properly so you have a standard email list or, or whatever with and if you collect a full name it'll break it into the first name and the last name so you can then personalize your emails and know that everything will look good and it's not Oh, this person's all put their name in all caps or this person put it in all lowercase and those kinds of things start to look goofy as you're trying to, again, be personal with an individual. So cleaning up your list is, you know, a, a valuable thing and there's lots of tools and, you know, again, be happy to talk to anybody to find out what their specific needs are and point them at a, a more specific tool uh, that'll match those needs as as they as we can. I think the word that comes to my mind is authentic, is trying to find those authentic leads 
that you have the correct information, you have the correct, you know, they're, they're capitalized correctly. That then translates into you go from the marketing to capturing that lead, to capturing that, that customer's information into your sales department. And since they have that consistent, robust, um, correct information, they're confident into now move forward and take over the reins and do their job better. So it's just kind of this cascading effect where you start with authentic, good leads from tracking from other sites. And then you can, that kind of comes down to the rest of the workflow. And right. I think that's, that's what a lot of people are trying to redo right now. And they're looking at their current system and they're like, Oh no, that's broken. That's not going to work. That's, you know, you're, you're sending out an email list to 5,000 and you get an open rate of 10%. Well, wh why is that? Well, because, you know, like you said, half of these people don't work there or it's an incorrect email address or they've changed domains and, and, and really looking at, at those tools can help make that 5,000 list maybe go down to 3,500. But that 3,500 is way more consistent and responsive than that 5,000. Exactly. And there's some new technologies out there just to kind of, uh, again, wet your whistle, but maybe for an, another podcast another day that you can actually take some of those. So you send an email and I send that email to you, Chris, and, and you open that email and you click on it and you come to the website and now I can put your name or your company name actually in the web page that you're visiting. So we can start doing some, or we can say, you know, oh, in the past you've been interested in this. So very much like a, well, a Facebook or an Instagram where you've logged in and it can kind of show you this, you can take that without the login piece, just because we can track you through these cookies or, or, you know, again, the, the plumbing, as I like to say, of of the system being able to, you know, give you personalized information and again, not make that website more alive and dynamic and focused on your problems and not just being a brochure site where we talk about us a lot. It's really about that personalization. Absolutely. You know, like like you said, it, it's that personal connection that when somebody goes to a site after an email or a social post that it can directly talk with them and be authentic. Yep. I think. Yeah. It, it's being relevant and intimate are the kind of the two buzzwords I use. Yeah. Well, Greg, thanks so much for being on the show. I know that we could probably talk for another 45 minutes or so about everything. Um, At least. You can find out more information about the Brookfield group by going to the Brookfield group dot com again greg thanks for being on the show thanks for having me chris